Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. Joining me today is the creator of the acclaimed kid-friendly food site, Yummy Toddler Food, Amy Plangian. In this conversation, Amy brings her expertise to the table, pun intended, and covers a spectrum of topics from mastering lunch packing to unlocking the secrets of fostering healthy relationships between kids, their bodies, and the food that they eat, and more. Amy, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to talk with you. I have many questions that I want you to ask you right off the bat, but why don't we go ahead and have you introduce yourself to listeners and then we'll get into them. Sure. So I am Amy Plangian. I'm the creator of Yummy Toddler Food and the author of Dinnertime SOS, which is a new cookbook coming out that is like a playbook for families to really get dinner on the table. Um, in the context of everything that you have going on, because I know what it is like to have children running at your feet and not be able to chop things, but still want to eat a yummy meal. Um, I ha- uh, have three kids and live with my family in central Pennsylvania. How did you start Yummy Toddler Food? I'm just curious to how the Instagram came to be a thing. So uh, I'm trying to think of like the short answer to that. So I started the blog when my oldest daughter was a toddler. And that was oh, like 10 years ago, nine years ago now. At that time, there were no resources for this age group. There was like baby food and then there was kids food. But the the kids in the middle who are learning to find their voice, who can't chew everything yet, who might be throwing food are like it's a very particular set of circumstances. So I started posting recipes online. I worked in magazines as a food editor and a lifestyle editor. And so I knew how to write recipes. I knew how to direct them to an audience. And then it took me a number of years to learn how to be a blogger. So in the beginning, I didn't format anything correctly. Like I, I didn't know technically what I was doing. So it was a series of, um, like I just did it as a hobby and then I kept having magazine jobs go away and mm-hmm. realized that I needed to turn it into my actual job. So I like put myself essentially through like blogging school and listened to podcasts and learned about SEO and learned how to format a recipe so that Google can read it. Um, and then went from there. So then the Instagram oh. sort of like came in the middle of that. Um, Cause it wasn't around when I first started, which is kind of a blessing because it let me kind of tackle one thing at a time. Yes, absolutely. So with having yummy toddler food, you've really grown your audience. You're almost to a million followers. And also along with that, you have the new cookbook coming out and it's called Dinnertime SOS, a hundred sanity saving meals, parents and kids of all ages will actually want to eat. So in regards to that all ages, my first question is in regards to packing your lunch. If we're sending our kids to school, it's something we're going to have to do on the regular and it can be really overwhelming. It's like, oh, great. Another day I'm going to have to come up with something. And then it's hard because there's peanut allergies. So we can't send any type of nuts to school depending on the allergies. So it's stressful to me. Yeah. That said, I wondered if you had any strategies or tips you could share with the listeners. So for lunches, number one, pack foods that you know that they like. There is That sounds like so simple, but given the number of images and videos that we see about kids' lunches online, we can get the idea that they have to be like cut into character shapes or look like animals or be like fancy bento boxes. And like, honestly, if you have three lunches that you know your kids like 
and they are easy to eat, that would be where I would start. And I would try to not reinvent the wheel from what you know they Mm -hmm. like at home and just pack it. Because lunchtime, especially for kindergartners or if a kiddo is going to preschool and they're eating lunch there, there's so many things going on. And the lunch periods are very, very short in most cases. And so you want to make sure that the child can eat their food pretty much on their own. So like have a lunchbox that they can open, make sure they can close it. If you pack something like applesauce or canned fruit or something that has like a something that needs to be opened, like make sure that they can open it or put it into a different container that they can open. Sort of think through like the mechanics of lunch Um, so that would be where I would start and like write a list and put it on your fridge. Like these are the lunches my kids like, these are the sides and snacks that we can pack with it. Um, and then I would check in. It it can help if you check in with the teacher to find out like, are they in the lunchroom? Are they in the classroom? Is there someone who can help? Because that's Mm going to vary a ton. And then the other thing I will say is, Use school lunch if you have it as an option, because that can be a way to expose kids to a range of foods and also just like reduce your um, efforts here. And school lunches will vary. But I know for us on the weeks that my kids have school lunches, usually they pick some. Those weeks are the weeks that my kids are eating a wider variety because they're getting foods at school that I wouldn't be able to pack in a lunchbox easily. Yes, absolutely. I like the keeping it simple, pack the things that they like that they can have at school, talking to the teacher. These are all great tips. Okay. I want to talk about the pressure though that comes with mealtime and that in itself, like I said, does bring some stress. But at nighttime, there can also be some stress to want our kids to just eat nutritious meals and to eat a wide variety. How do you manage to take pressure off yourself during these times and just focus on maybe the atmosphere and community? I I try to remember to remind people to sort of zoom out and not put so much pressure on each individual meal, but look at meals over the course of a whole week and remember that no person really eats like a chart says that they will. So it is very normal for kids to eat more of some food groups at some meals and more of other food groups at other meals. But over the course of the week, they usually eat a larger variety. So that in itself can like remove the pressure that the child needs to eat like specific amounts of each food at each meal, which which can be nice because then you're not in the position of having to keep track of anything. And then remember that like meals are about connection also. Like nutrition is part of it, yes, but it is often the only time that we're sitting down together as a family and with our kids with the opportunity to interact about other things. So I like to talk about other things like what we did in our day, what was something really funny that happened, like whether we have a joke to share, to share, because that just allows each person to focus on their own food. And it allows us to connect with each other um, with just like the opportunity that we have um, to sort of take advantage of it. Okay. When they're eating things, sometimes they don't want to eat the meal, but we need to sometimes just eat food because it gives our bodies uh, sustenance. It helps our bodies grow big and strong. Uh, Would you direct me away from using that kind of language? Or I guess, what do you think? I'm not convinced that it's necessary. I, Mm -hmm. and it depends on, 
I mean, almost for any age, I don't know that I think it's necessary. I always try to have at least one to two foods on the table that the kids usually like. So if I serve a main dish and I'm not like totally confident, I will put, well, I almost always have fruit or like cut up cheese or pita bread and hummus or something easy. And then I know that if the kids are hungry, they will have something to eat. And if they don't eat, I assume that they're not hungry. I don't turn dinner into this transactional situation where I am jumping through hoops to get them to eat a certain amount of food. I have the opportunity for them to eat within that structure. And then they have the flexibility to decide for themselves. And I don't see it as my job to have to convince them. And you're never going to like win a negotiation with a small child of telling them that food is going to do a certain thing. And then you're taking the intrinsic motivation to eat food that is yummy and satisfying and you're externalizing it and you're sort of like removing the ability for that child to connect with the food on their own terms. And I am much more of a fan of just modeling how to eat a variety and showing them over the course of the week that we eat a variety, especially because some of the nutrition messaging that parents kind of go to it's not always true. Mm. And I, and like when you have a kid who's asking questions back, it often becomes very difficult to explain your original point. <laughs> like the example I always give is like, there is this thing about like, if you eat carrots, it'll help you see in the dark. Well, I have glasses. I will never be able to see in the dark. And one of my kids wears glasses and her vision is worse than mine. She's never going to be able to see in the dark and she loves carrots. It's not do this and you get this because mm. nutrition and bodies are very complicated. And mm. so I just don't know that it's worth the effort. So moving on to the actual food that we're eating, what are some of your go-to meals that we can use uh, if we're in a rush or if we just need to get dinner on the table? So it sort of just depends on the season. It's going to depend on who you are. But we are in a phase of like big salads with chicken nuggets or chicken tenders on top or like a big, I have these like big platters where I do sort of shared snack plates. So one that we have been eating a lot of this recently where it's being warmer is hummus and pita chips and cut up veggies and fruit and olives. So like a Mediterranean style. I sometimes will keep fully cooked rice in the freezer and then just cook ground beef and make like a quick cucumber sauce or buy tzatziki from the store and have like another Greek situation. We do a lot of pasta, jarred sauce or marinara sauce or pesto, which is easy to buy. So I had my 11-year-old make a list of her like 10 favorite dinners and she stuck them on the fridge so that whenever I run out of ideas, that is an easy place for me to look. But I, I like to remember that you don't have to cook an elaborate meal. You can like cook part of it or not cook it at all and just assemble stuff on plates. So one of the things that's been great about like, so my youngest is now four. And at some point he was like two and a half. And I realized that he really liked Caesar salad. So that sort of was like the gateway to this like collection of easier meals that are built sort of more on raw produce, which has been kind of fun. Um, he really likes the dressing. So that has been like a nice option. I like how you talked about that you don't have to cook 
everything. There might be some beef that you're pulling from the freezer. You might be buying the tzatziki sauce, but there are options to have a little bit of um, flexibility. So what are some of your go-to meals that you share where you don't have to cook at all? (laughs) Um, So like a big snack plate where you're sort of pulling out like cheese and crackers or cheese and bread and then any fruit that you have or like random bits of leftovers and just get cheese plate that is accessible for little kids is one of my favorites. I love using store-bought options that you can combine. So if you have frozen meatballs on hand and a can of stock, you can make the yummiest soup if you have that and some pasta because you can just cook everything in the same pot. Um, you can do a ton with beans. So if you have a can of beans and like some fully cooked rice, you can make an easy taco salad. Um, there is one recipe in the book that requires just the broiler, which is an open-faced broccoli melt that I was so surprised that my kids like this. I called it an appetizer and they were like instantly like, oh, this sounds fancy. So it's like toasted bread with cooked broccoli and I use frozen broccoli so that you're not making that difficult. Cheese and a little bit of lemon zest. And then you just stick it under the broiler and it toasts and it's like grilled cheese with broccoli, but it's really fun and yummy. In regards to your kids, I didn't prep you for this, but I'm curious about your own kids. And would you say that they are healthy eaters? Have you, I'm assuming you've tried to cultivate that within them, but are they to this day, would you consider them to be healthy eaters? And maybe what does that mean to you? I mean, I consider them to be capable and confident eaters. So they are able to go to school or go to a friend's house or go to grandparents' house and eat meals without issue. Um, There is a range with the adventurousness of their eating, and that is personality-based. It is not tied to age, which is very interesting to me. Um, I have one child who will try pretty much anything. Like sushi is her favorite food. Like she will go out for ramen with like all the stuff on it. And um, that's not true for the other two. And they have been raised in the same food environment. I do, I mean, I have from an early age, I've always had them in the kitchen with me. I was more focused on like, I want them to know what these foods are so that they can identify them. I want them to know like a range of ways that we might eat them. And then also how to adjust foods at the table. So that might mean... um knowing that they like this certain food with guacamole or salsa. For my four-year-old, I have had a lot of success with helping him feel more in charge of his own food and more confident by handing him something like mini tongs when he sees a food and he's like not so sure. Giving him something to do to the food, and this is not a giant production, it is literally like I have mini tongs or I have like a small pair of salad tongs that I just hand him and then he thinks it's interesting to try to eat his food with the tongs. The same thing you can do with a salad fork, like a giant fork. If you give that to them, they're like, oh, so it instantly makes the meal playful, but you're not, there's no setup. Like It's not a big thing. So that has been helpful in just engaging him in meals and helping him to enjoy the meals with the rest of the family. I feel like you could do chopsticks as well. That's Oh, yeah. The reason I asked is because I feel like my children were better, healthier, quote unquote, eaters when they were toddlers. I think it was maybe they were more trusting of what the food was and it was new. And now that my kids are 
six, eight. I would also say my other toddler, he's a preschooler now. He's the most adventurous, but they kind of grow out of it. But at the same time, I feel like it's not necessarily us not giving it to them, but it's just like you said, they are being independent and seeing what it is that they like. And as long as they're, when they're capable and they feel capable of trying things, I I don't know. That's what we want to set our kids up for. Yeah. And I think that as as kids are getting older and they're navigating all sorts of different circumstances, it's totally normal that they might want their food to be like their safe place. So when they're going to school or they're in different social settings or they're trying new activities and they have a lot of other stuff going on, like the food is emotional in a way that I think we often overlook. And so that sounds normal to me. And um and I do think that as some kids get older, it can be easier to like go out to restaurants and have different experiences. Um, or if you travel someplace that like the routine part of it is not quite so set in stone as it is sometimes when you have little kids. Yeah, absolutely. I think I just want to make sure that, I don't know, food is an area, again, that I've struggled in personally throughout my life um, or within my life. And then my kids, again, now they're not eating the way that I would necessarily want them to, but I'm like, am I putting too much pressure on them? So I guess I'm just saying to anyone that's listening that feels it's this, it can be overwhelming. I think that there are resources like your new book that give so many options of just basic foods that are healthy and nutritious, but maybe also just incorporating some of these techniques you're saying with tongs or whatnot, just take the pressure off ourselves because we may be contributing to their rebellion in a way. Right. Kids do pick up on our anxiety. The other thing I was going to say in response to that is if you can name the thing that is causing you the stress, like if there is a specific concern that you have, if you can name it rather than just having like a sort of a nebulous concern about the way that the kids are eating, if it's like protein or vegetables or whatever it might be, and then look at it in the context of the child that you have and try to actually challenge yourself to, to see if it's actually a problem. Are they growing and meeting their milestones? And do they seem like themselves and sort of and like happy adjusted? Is it creating if like if it's not creating stress with you getting food on the table or having enough food like at meals, like try to just figure out where that pressure is coming from, because it might be coming from a totally external source that has nothing to do with your child but it is sort of making you feel like there's a problem when there might not be one, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. What else do I want to hit on really fast? Food waste. In regards to food waste, how do you lower your food waste in a sustainable way? Um, Starting with smaller portions can be a good way to do that, especially with little kids. And then if you have a child who reacts to having less food on their plate, you can give them a specific place to put food that they don't want. So you could leave, if you have like a divided plate, you could leave one of the sections empty and just tell them, put your food here if you don't want it. Or um, sometimes like if a kid is prone to throwing food or if they just like don't want everything on their plate, you can give them a bowl to put the extra food in. And then like frozen food and really trying not to overbuy. I think like the the steps you can take before you even get the food into your house are like buy food that lasts a little bit longer. So that could be like frozen fruit or some frozen veggies in the mix during the week. And then before you go to the grocery store, look in your fridge and see what you have left and then buy less of those things. 
Great advice. Well, before we wrap things up, do you have any other word of encouragement you want to leave with the listeners? Um, I think just remember that there is no such thing as a perfect eater or a perfect meal and that your best is good enough. Well, I definitely want to direct people to your book. I love the way that it's set up. I love the one sheet, one pan sheet meals. Those are very easy and a go-to on busy nights in my house. But I definitely recommend people checking you out. Where can they find you again if they want to connect online or grab a copy of your book? Um, So you can find me at yummytoddlerfood.com on social. It's at yummytoddlerfood everywhere. And then Dinnertime SOS is available everywhere books are sold. Perfect. Well, quickly before we end the conversation, I always ask my guests two questions at the end. And the first one is, what has been a beneficial resource to you that you want to share with the listeners? And this can be in regards to food or something that you've really loved and want to share. Um, Okay, so I'm going to plug my best friend's newsletter, which is called Burnt Toast. And it is sort of an exploration of like food and bodies and living in the world. And there's a lot of resources on feeding kids. Um, she has a book called Fat Talk that came out a couple of months ago. So Burnt Toast is the newsletter. And the second one is, what is something you can't stop talking about? I feel like in my house, all we're talking about is back to school. (laughs) So that's like not me. That is like the conversation around me, which is maybe, I don't know, there's a lot of questions. We have like a new school starting this year. One of my daughters is going into a new school. So like every day, it's all just about school. Yeah, everyone's talking about that right now. Well, hopefully they'll utilize your book and making dinner time a little bit easier. So thanks for sharing it with us today. You're welcome. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less. You save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot. You'll feel like a big deal, even in a traffic jam. Save up to thirty percent with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. 